It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Exterior Home Solutions. Give them a call today at 865-524-5888 for whatever your exterior home needs are. They do fencing, they do siding, they do windows, they do decking. And obviously, they do roofing as well. So if you're in need of a new roof or you think you may have some roof damage, remember, I got all these storms rolling through this time of year as well. So be sure and use our good friends. If you're in East Tennessee, check out our good friends at Exterior Home Solutions. Again, 865-524-5888. I'm Brent Hubbs, along with Grant Ramey, Rob Lewis, Austin Price. Plenty of questions to get to. Guys, we're going to dive on in into your favorite podcast of the week, and we're going to start with more steam. More Steam wants to know, if Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson continue to improve and take the next step, where does that leave Jabari Small in the running back rotation? Austin Price, you're up first. With a smaller number of carries, pun intended. Um, I mean, how much does it? How much does he lose, though, right? Like, I think that he's the one player that, you know, had to be sitting there all spring going, man, you know, it's nice to have the spring off, but watching these other guys have some success is not good for me. And so, you know, when you throw in him, you throw in some of those younger backs, um, you know, this is a fairly deep room, you know, considering a, week, a year ago it was not real deep at all. Um, but I think Dylan Sampson, you know, is starting to ascend. How much of those care, how much of the Jabari small carries can he take is the real question for me. You know, Grant, for me, the interesting thing about the running back deal is when you're going up-tempo, you don't rotate within series. Nope. And so it's – if you get the series and you got a hot hand and you get a couple of series back-to-back, somebody's numbers are automatically going down if you're making first downs because you're just not rotating guys. No, and it's a good problem to have, I think, to have this number of guys and you're trying to figure out where your carries are going to come from and you're trying to figure out which one's going to be the guy that gets the most carries the most, because it feels like you have – quite a few options, uh, you know, with, with Samson, with Jalen Wright, with Jabari Small, with Cam Selden. I mean, we were talking on the, the Tuesday podcast about who had had more value or which would have a better value going into the season. And it's hard to figure out which one does because you don't really have a kind of, you know, you don't really know who's going to be the hot hand and who's going to get the most carries. So I think for Tennessee, it's, I don't think enough gets talked about what they do production-wise in the run game and how good they have been under Josh Hopkins in the run game because everybody looks at the passing numbers and, how explosive they are, um, but they produce a ton. Like like you were talking about earlier in the week, it almost kind of felt like Jalen Ryan was the quiet, you know, leading rusher for this team and, and did a lot without you know, a ton of people talking about him. So uh, I think it's a really good problem for Tennessee to have that you're trying to figure out where these carries are going to come from for, for some of these guys. Rob, you better not take a day off if you're a running back. No, I, I like the running back room. I mean, I don't know that you have, you know – a NFL first rounder like you've seen at Georgia and Alabama in the last couple of years. But I mean, I, I like Dylan Sampson. I mean, when you're talking about Jabari small losing carries and I'm, you know, I mean, he's not Chuck Webb, but I mean, that's, a, that's a four year player in the sec. That's been a productive back for you. I mean, that's a, like Grant said, I mean, that's a pretty good problem to have. And it's, and it's legit. I mean, Dylan Sampson showed at the end of last year that, you know, he was a play, you know, if he, if he hadn't missed that blitz pickup at LSU and almost gotten hit and killed, <laughs> I mean, he might have. I mean, he might have had a, a much bigger role, you know, in, in the meat of the season last year. And you know, we've not even talked about Selden. I mean, I think I think that's a guy that's 
you know, I'm not saying he's going to get 20 carries a game, but I would think you, you might want to see him on the field. I mean, I, th- I think you got four guys there, l- legit, that, um, you know, look like SEC players in small right, Samson and, and Selden. Yep, and certainly uh, Jerry Mack's got more competition and more to work with for sure. All right, let's go to Athron. He's got four here for us. So we'll start, Austin, with you. How does the running back board look, and when do the pieces start coming off the board and recruiting at that position? Um, well, I, I think, you know, you're looking at a, a core group of guys that are, you know, Peyton Lewis, you know, uh, you know, Braylon Russell, Daniel Hill, um, Nate Frazier, um, Chauncey, I forget the kid's name. He's committed to Florida. Um, again, to me, those are the, the key pieces here and the running back room. And so, you know, Peyton Lewis, you know, I feel like Tennessee continues to trend well there. You know, you know, we'll see when he makes it back in again. Um, you know, but I feel like Tennessee's got a lot of the momentum there. I think they have momentum with Braylon Russell. Now, Braylon Russell is going to take his officials in the month of June, South Carolina, Baylor, Tennessee, Arkansas, maybe one more, um, and then decide July 14th. Daniel Hill should be back in town next weekend for the Memorial Day event. He's not been in a long time. So, again, I keep saying he's the this year's version of Noel Rogers, who says he's coming but never comes. So if he shows up, that could change some things because I think Tennessee really likes Daniel Hill a lot. A lot of people have him pegged for South Carolina. But how quick is he wanting to come to a decision? Is he wanting to do something now? Or is he wanting to, you know, take some visits, take some officials after next weekend potentially, and then start working towards a decision? And if that's the case, then Tennessee would actually have a real shot there. And then Nate Frazier, I don't see him doing anything anytime soon. I think he's going to take several official visits all in June and then into the season in the, you know, with, with the unlimited number. I'm not going to say he's taking 10, but I think he'll take more than four or five and, you know, decide sometime this fall. And then we'll see where it all falls, um, you know, Tennessee was by to see Braylon Russell, watch him work out. I was told that he was super, super impressive for a kid that's over 240 pounds. And, um, you know, I think that one's one to watch long-term. And then, uh, you know, like I said, Tennessee continues to trend well with Peyton Lewis. But Tennessee's, you know, two that they really like, you know, Nate Frazier, Daniel Hill, as far as, like, guys that they have, you know, you know really intriguing interest in. I think they've got to make it back to campus for that to be real. Max really likes Nate Frazier, too, it sounds like, in the background. Every time I hear uh, Nate Frazier, I think of Nate Bracey. And, <laughs> Nate Bracey, uh, Nate Bracey, I'm, Nate Bracey. I'm, I'm sorry, Nate Frazier, but every time I hear that, I just smirk. Everybody's wondering, why are you smirking on the on the podcast? It's for whatever reason, every time I hear the word Nate Frazier, Nate Bracey comes to and mind. You're, and you're thinking about uh, gluing him book covers on with Edgar Coleman. <laughs> I have no idea why, why that happens, Grant, but – it's just the way it is. All right, Athron, your second question. With Raola going to Georgia, do the chances with Riddell go way down? Who would be next up at tight end if Riddell does go to Georgia, AP? Well, you know, I, I won't say they go way down. You know, the question is, is how tied to, you know, I mean, like, they're not, like, super tight. But I think Rayola does um, carry some weight with kids. But guess what? If you're any kind of recruiter at all, you're looking at Jaden Riddell and saying, hey, man, Dylan Rayola, a good player, right? But so was Gunnar Stockton. So was Brock Vandergriff. So was Carson Beck. And guess what? All those receivers that thought they could go catch passes from those three have yet to catch a pass from those three. And so, like, you can't go to a school because you like the quarterback prospect because he may or may not play. And so, like, I think that's kind of kind of be the message for anybody that's recruiting Jaden Riddell. 
Um, it'll be at Georgia this weekend, back to Tennessee next weekend, then it's officials in June. Um, you know, I think that one's a 50-50 coin flip at this point between Tennessee and Georgia. Yeah. Uh, Kalia Keefe will be on campus later this, at the end of this month. So we'll I thought you cut him, Hubs. You told me I thought you cut him. Cut who? Khalifa Keith. No, I just forgot. I read the war room last week. I didn't cut him. I forgot him. I made an omission. All right? It's made... my fault. I didn't have the full war room sent to me last week. I just handled the recruiting part. Yeah, because you're on I, golf course. I was on golf duty. In, in your world tour. I'll take the blame. I will take the blame. No, that one's on me. That's totally on me. All right. Um, better season, Elijah Herring or Caleb Perry? Rob, go first. Who has a better? Who do you think has a better season? Man, I just have to go with Herring just because he, you know, he played last year. He got his feet wet. I mean, I think I, – I mean, Caleb Perry looks like a million bucks. But, you know, Elijah Herring found his way onto the field early and, and pretty consistently last year. So, I'll go, I'll go with Herring. I'll go with Herring, too. I pulled up the stats. They're basically the identical player from the uh, 2022 stats. But uh, Herring had a couple of sacks and two and a half tackles for a loss. Well, and like a that. lot of Perrys were special teams. And, and then, like, right. what, the one game late in the year – the you know non power five who was it non power five blowout he got in the second Martin. half it, it, you know played a lot and you know made six or seven tackles that day yeah I'm going to Elijah Herring as well I think he'll be in the uh, the two deep um, I'm not sure sure that Caleb Perry will be Gator Dog wants to know where does the D line rank among the SEC teams didn't hear much about Tyree West during the spring as well Grant where you got this defensive line. I have no idea where this defensive line ranks in the SEC because I have no idea what the SEC defensive lines look like. It's I think they May, got a pretty good defensive line coach, and you'll have them in the mix, though. It's May 17th, Ravy. I mean, you don't know what, what Arkansas's got in the, in the I TV? Haven't, I haven't got out the study guides for the media guides for, uh, you know, South Carolina and Kentucky. It's That's my June project, not my May project. So Grant has them below Georgia and above Vanderbilt. There we go. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in there. Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> right? Somewhere in there. Somewhere in the middle. Right, I mean, AP? That's right. I mean, look, some some nice pieces, but they need to have some continued growth. Hubs, you talked about Bryson Eason on the Tuesday podcast. I think he's got to take a step. The, the poster just talked about Tyree West. He needs to take a step. What does Tyree Weathersby give you once he arrives? Because I know Tennessee's extremely high on him and excited for him. David Hobbs did not go through spring. What does he provide? Again, those are two things you can't talk about because no one knows. They've not went to a practice field for Tennessee yet. But when you talk about Bryson Eason, when you talk about Big O, who I think is poised to have a really nice uh, senior year, and then you look at you know some of those edge guys, what does Tyler Barron do? To me, this is a contract year for Tyler Barron. I was waiting on it, AP. He needs to have a good year. He needs to be motivated. Tyler Barron's got all the talent in the world. When motivated, he can be really, really good. If he plays motivated and has that Albert Hainsworth type year, he's a guy that could really catapult himself because he's got a build that, again, some things you just can't teach. Some things are God-given. Yep. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to fight through a little bit. And uh, as you mentioned, he's got to take full advantage of the opportunity because this is the year for him uh, is in your fame. Uh, and I think it's a great analogy, the fame contract year. It's the Jeff Blauser year, baby, to put this yeah. in Atlanta Braves terms. Hey, the Jeff Blauser year. Your thoughts on Jeff Blauser, Grant Ramey? Are you a big Jeff Blauser guy? Uh, every time I think of contract year, um, I'm not trying to be rude to Albert Hainsworth here, but I think of Albert Hainsworth because he got paid and cool. <laughs> so right right Jeff Blauser got paid too to go to the Cubs and then disappear. Give me wow. Mark Mark Lemke greater than Jeff Blauser. Boom. Mark I think the, the new 
the new Jeff Blauser is uh, Dansby Swanson. Let's go with that. Terry's the Terry Middleton here's, over them all. Here's the real question for anybody that had PBS in the in the eighties or early nineties: Mark Lemke or Glenn Hubbard? Grant Ramey, go. Uh, I was born in eighty eight. You got nothing. You got no Glenn <laughs> Hubbard. Mine, mine starts. My my Braves fandom probably starts around the time Andrew Jones was hitting the home runs in the Bronx in the World Series. Um, so it's ninety six. Great <laughs> day um, in the morning. I, I had it. I had a Glenn. I had Glenn Hubbard baseball cards and a poster hanging in a locker when I was a kid. Hey, give me Raphael Belliard better than both, baby. I had a I had New Sentinel sports pages taped to my wall. So I was sleeping next to a mugshot of John Adams on some column about <laughs> Cozy Coleman or Cozy Coleman, whatever his name was. <laughs> oh, oh, jeez, I'm old. Holy smokes! Balls by 1998 wants to know why is Josh Heupel's contract buyout when what he would owe Tennessee if he left so small. If the NFL came calling, do you see him leaving? I think any college coach would leave for the NFL. I know I would. Yep, I agree. I, don't have to re- yeah, I get paid more money, and I don't have to call 16-year-old kids. And I have to deal with NIL and the transfer portal. And, and, and boosters and professors and, and the Thornton Center. Yeah, so where do I sign? Yeah, <laughs> Anybody's leaving for the NFL. Newsflash. Yeah, I mean – but am I crazy to think that Heupel kind of succeeds in the college atmosphere because of, you know, the stuff he does to kind of build the culture and the, you know, being a player's coach and a lot of like the. Oh, but I know. think he's a college coach. I mean, I, for sure. Don't you, don't you guys? I mean, I agree with you, Grant, right. 100%. I just think any college coach would take the NFL gig and, and not deal with the headaches. I think the, I think the thing with the, the transition that the challenging transition for some guys you know, longtime college guys going into the NFL. One, you got to go to a franchise that's going to give you a chance to win. But the bigger thing is you don't have full control. And because you got a scouting department coming to you and an ownership coming to you saying, this is who we're drafting. This is, you, you don't get a say. You, you coach the team we assemble for you. I think for some college coaches, Grant, that's a really hard challenge because they've spent their whole career putting together their team the way they want to put it together. And, and I think, you know, that that's why you've seen some college coaches, I, I think, make us have a struggle when they go up to that, quote, next level. But from a workload standpoint, I mean, you talk to anybody, assistant, head coach, whatever, the NFL workload standpoint is is much much more manageable these days than the college than the college life is. And it's not it's even the, close. Uh, that first point you made is the parcels, if they want you to cook the dinner, at least they ought to let you buy the groceries, right? Yep. I think that losing control would be tough. I also think, and I talked to Rick about this years ago when he first got to Tennessee about the NBA. He said, if you're if you're going to coach in the NBA, you better be okay with getting fired because you're going to get fired. And are you going to be able to handle that? And you're going to be able to stick around and bounce back and do whatever you have to do after you get fired. And I think we've seen that in the NBA, but I think it's the same thing in the NFL. If you're going there, you better be ready to get fired and, and figure out what's next after you get fired. And, and turn. It's kind of like when you come to Oregon Ball Quest. Oh, yeah. I think it's pretty easy to figure out what's next when you're Cliff Kingsbury and you cash a $20 million buyout check and head to Thailand with a one-way ticket. (laughs) It's not like like you got too much severance and you got to figure out, you know, how you're going to pay your kids tuition and buy, you know, and pay rent in two months. If you hadn't noticed, Eric Kane's not here this week. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, Cliff Kingsbury on the Southern Cal staff, right? Yes. Yeah, which is crazy. As for Josh Heupel's contract buyout being small, I guess it's 
what, $6 million after December of 24? Is that right? I mean, it's Maybe. less than his annual salary, which I bet is pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, I just – I think that's – you know, when you win 10 games and you got all the leverage in the world going right there, you kind of get the deal that you want, um, you know. And then he, he's not the first college coach around the country to leverage well, and uh, he's not the first one on this campus to leverage well either. So um, that's just that's just the way the, in the world that we live in these days. Uh, HV, HSV Vol wants to know, who is your most underappreciated Vol, and how do you see the 24 O-line, D-line class shaping up? I he didn't specify. I don't know if he means underappreciated of all time or currently on this team. Let's go all time for fun. Who's your most underappreciated ball in your mind there, Rob Lewis? I'll tell you. I, mean, I would ask Grant, but Grant's going to give me somebody that played like eight years no, ago. No, no. Grant's going to say on. Eric Berry. No. <laughs> See, Come on. In all seriousness, man, he was, an, he was an all-conference player, but I did not fully appreciate Josh Dobbs when, when he was here. Not not even close. He covered up so much of Butch Jones' incompetence. Uh, I mean, in those final two years. I mean, I, I mean, I thought Josh was good. I I could completely sold him short as, as we were seeing it. And I mean, that, again, that's an all conference guy. That's not exactly an under the radar dude. But I, I did not appreciate how, everything he did for for this program. Are you gonna um, let him get by with a, a, a that recent of a pick? I told Grant. I, I have I threw a lot of caveats. Caveats out there. Go ahead, Grant. I, I'm going to go with uh, Raynock Thompson. Ooh, you just you just Hubbard Stinger just went up. Why? Is that good or bad? No, he loves he loves him for Raynock. How can he not? How can he not love the knock knock? Not not. Raynock Thompson <laughs> felt like uh, what's the, uh, the the other guy in the Rat Pack that nobody knows? Peter Lawford or whatever it is. Yeah, everybody knows Dean and Frank and Sammy Davis. You nobody knows Peter Lawford. Feels like everybody just forgets about Raynock Thompson. How good he was. His story is his story is unbelievable. I mean, I've told this story before. The day I'm standing there in the summer, and and the guy in the Mercedes Benz, I think it was a Mercedes Benz, gets out. Raynott gets out of it, out of the car. They open the trunk, and he gets out two grocery bags. I mean, like plastic grocery bags, and that's all he brought to Knoxville with him. That's all he had, and he was about 145 or 50 pounds. It looked like he was bigger than that, but he wasn't very big. And you're like, who is this guy? And then the next thing you know, you know, years later, he's absolutely mauling people beside Al Wilson. One of my favorite, one of my favorite guys of all time. He played unbelievable, tough as nails. AP, I'm gonna go David Leverton. I mean, he, big tackle in the championship game. Nobody <laughs> talks about him. And then I will go superlative throw in Benson Scott. He did not go laces out. Or sorry, he did not go laces in. He went laces out for that kick against Florida. All right, th- this one, this was just for Hubbard. Since I kind of cheated with Josh Dobbs, but that was really about how bad Butch was and how good Josh was. Get in the wayback machine, just for Hubbard, Chris White, 19, oh. 1986 Sugar Vols. I mean, maybe maybe my favorite Vol from the '85 team, which says a lot because there's a lot of really good players and everybody loved Tony Robinson. But what former a, walk on from from yeah, Cleveland, what you, Tennessee, never what played. A year what a year never he played. Had. Chris White was he was terrific under first team all American safety. Yeah, unbelievable year he had. Led the conference in interceptions that year, uh, coming out of nowhere for sure. Can I also throw one more in? Tyrone Hines. Tyrone Hines was a good player. I love Tyrone Hines. He was a really good player. 
Absolutely. See the best 47 um, that's played for the Vols? I think AP's just throwing out 47s. Wasn't David Leverton 47? 43. 43. 43. 43. 43. Dang, 43. I threw out a 46. So maybe I, we're just I, I never thought of this one. Hey, greatest reason. 46 of all time, Carlton Neal. No, no. We just talked. Hubbard just talked about him. Ride of Chicago. Not no. I know. Not not know. Come on. I know. I was joking. Tyrone Hines, forty-seven. That's pretty good. I never even thought about that nickname. Yeah. What? A, what a mess. If only NIL had been available back then. All right, AP. How do you see the twenty-four O-line D-line class shaping up? Right now, it's a work in progress. That's the easiest way to put it. I, I still wonder where they're going to go at tackle. I think they need a top-end tackle. Is that Ethan Calloway? Is that Brandon Baker? Who is that top-end tackle? I think they're in a good spot with Max Anderson as we head to the end of May, but that one's not done. Uh, I think they're in a good spot with the Satterwhite kid out of uh, out of Ohio. But, again, uh, you know, that one's not done as of now. And so, you know, but neither one of those guys, I would say, are like top-end tackles. I think Max Anderson will be the closest. I think Satterwhite could be a center. I mean, he's not real tall. He's like 6'2". Um you know, you got to find tackles. And I think they've got to find a top flight prep guy. And then I think they got to go to the portal after the year because the likelihood is, is they're going to lose, you know, probably all three of their main tackles after this year. And then defensive line, I think they're in a good spot with Winery, Cam Franklin. They're in a good spot with, you know, you know Cam Fountain. They're in a good spot with two or three of those edge guys. But again, you got to be able to get them in the boat. It's great to have be in a good spot with them in May. You got to find a way to close. If they close with them, then they've had an excellent defensive line class. Even if they don't land them all, if they land their share, they've had an excellent defensive line class. But I, to me, the biggest question still is offensive tackle. And that ain't even close. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens there and how that shakes out. It's the most coveted position out there to find for sure. Hey, I've been telling you about our good friends at Exterior Home Solutions. Don't forget, they can take care of all your needs as one of East Tennessee's premier uh, companies in roofing and all the other things they do. That is Exterior Home Solutions. Your roof, it's the most important protection against nature for your home or your business. That's why I trust the experts at Exterior Home Solutions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's get right back to the questions, and we go to Nashville 615. Which SEC schools have new coaches this time next year? Everyone seems to be on somewhat solid footing for a variety of reasons, but it seems like somebody always gets fired. Anybody in trouble in this league? It doesn't feel like it for the first time. Jimbo. Okay. He would be the closest. And really, they're the unknown. They could totally flip this thing around and have a good year. There's still talent on that roster. Now, they lost – some really key pieces, but there's still talent there. So, to me, they're the X factor. They're the X factor for Tennessee's season. They're the X factor for a lot of people, in my opinion. What does Texas A&M look like? Because if they have another, you know, dud season, I don't think they're going to hesitate after this year. I don't care how big that buyout is. They're not going to keep letting that thing go down and down and down. So, to me, he's the one that makes the most sense. Um, and then heading into expansion, I'm going to go ahead and throw out 
Mark Stoops' time at Kentucky is going to end. I think he's going to look to get out after this year because that road is going to get a little bit tougher to get to those Magic 8 wins and the extensions and the rollovers and all that that he's had the last few years. That's, I, that non-win this. I just think he'll look to move on. That non-win SEC schedule will be tough for, for – for the cats, won't it? Well, we got to make sure they get to a nine to a nine game schedule first, right? I think they're going to go to nine. No, there's no way. I think they stay at eight. I think they might be nine and zero, or we'll nine see. and one. Yeah, we'll Do they see. keep Mississippi State as a permanent opponent? I think. <clears throat> we'll see that vote. That vote in Destin is going to be interesting to see what happens out there and see where TV is with everything. I'm not saying I. I agree. I think they have to end up at nine, but but the I think that it was only like two or three. Debate. They were not. Tells me the fact that there was only two or three that were against nine tells me they'll get there. A lot of people would have to reverse course, in my opinion, to not end up at least nine. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think they're going to get there, but that, that whole debate, I think, is going to be pretty fascinating the end of this month in Destin, Florida. Do you think seven ACC schools can force their way out of the conference? If they do, which ones would, t- would the SEC covet if the Magnificent Seven or whatever they're calling themselves break away from the ACC? Well, I think you'd cover Clemson. I think you'd cover Florida State. I think you'd cover at least one of the Virginia schools, um, North Carolina. Like, you know, all those geographically make a ton of sense. You know, the question is, is how big is the SEC willing to get? You know, I think the Big Ten is going to be willing to get bigger. How big does the SEC want to get? I mean, I think those – I think it's interesting because those – I mean, like – you just rattled off, you know, Clemson, FSU, you know, North Carolina basketball. Those are, those are some great brands. But, I mean, hasn't the expansion for the SEC, for the most part, been driven by, by television and, like, the number of eyeballs you're getting in in markets? And, you know, again, if you're a football fan, you're going to watch Clemson, you're going to watch Florida State. But you're not, you're not, you know, going forth and breaking new ground. And, and you know, you're not expanding the footprint like you did when you added Texas A&M and brought in, you know, the, the whole Texas market. I mean, you're not bringing in people that are unfamiliar with the SEC brand with Florida State, with Clemson. I mean, I, I think it enhances the league, but I just wonder how motivated Birmingham or and, and the, the member schools are to do that from a from the television perspective. I think the answer to the first part of the question is, yeah, you can force your way out if you get enough lawyers to figure out a way to get out of a contract. And if you're at enough of a disadvantage, financially from tv deals that you're looking to get out of if you're that motivated you can you can probably find a way to do it yeah that that might get tied up for a while you know with because it's a pretty hefty buyout to get out of there financially the acc is going to fight for their money uh, when you talk about that much money nobody's going to get in a room and probably nego- just hash out a quick settlement um we'll see i think north carolina would end up in the big 10 i think the sec would have interest but i think they would have interest in the big 10 um for, for them and Clemson makes the most sense. I think, I think Florida state is in an interesting spot because they're, they're good at football, but they don't have great facilities. Like where are they in terms of immersing themselves into a league at this level? You know what I mean? That, that financially now TV would help them and they could up their game there. I, I think it would be really interesting to see kind of where Florida state wanted to go. I would imagine the sec, but, uh, as Grant or Austin, you mentioned, how big does the SEC want to get when, when it's all said and done? Um, but you're going to go to super conferences if that's where you're going to end up anyway. You're obviously going to get bigger in doing that. you got to make the right decisions if you're Greg Sankey and that comes about. Slappy Ball wants to know, I know things can change. Juju Mitchell was gone, then back, then gone. 
Jacob Warren was coming back, then leaning towards leaving, then came back. That being said, there are 14 guys who can't come back and their eligibility is up. There are 18 guys who can use their COVID year. Do we expect the majority of those 18 back, 50-50, or is the majority of those guys gone after this year? I think it depends. I mean, like, you know, like Javante Spragans. I think he, you know, he could come back. I think he's probably gone. Cooper Mays could come back. I would lean to him being gone, but you just don't know, right? Like, you know, uh, I think a lot of it depends on NIL opportunities for for those guys, you know, that, you know, would you know potentially be up in the air. Some of them, you know, you may not want back because you may need to fill their spot with guys out of the transfer portal to help you next year at, at positions you need help. Like, like let's say, like, you know, Tennessee's got just a ton of guards. Are they going to just say, yeah, everybody can come on back? It's guards when they need tackles, when they can go out and get another tackle out of the portal. Um, and then, again, what does the scholarship numbers look like a year from now too, Hubbard, from a standpoint of the NCAA stuff? Like, if they come back and say, hey, we got to have nine more over the next three years, so three a year, and you've got to be at 82 instead of 85, how does that alter your decision on things? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Major's ghost – to you, Grant, uh, Ramey, with uh, Jack Swibert closing in on 70 years of age and most likely close to retirement, what would Danny White's level of interest be in the Notre Dame AD job? I credit Johnny Major's ghost uh, consistency because I'm pretty sure I saw this word for word in the chat Monday night. I didn't touch it because I have no – I mean, I have no idea what Danny White's interest in the Notre Dame job would be. I have no idea when Jack's leaving or whatever. I mean, but but again, like the running back room, this is a good problem to have. You want to you want to be worried about your AD and you want to be worried about your head coach taking other jobs because that means uh, you're doing something well. Uh, I think there's going to be interest in Danny Watt for a ton of jobs because he's what he's done at Tennessee, what he's done throughout his career. It's just a matter of Tennessee doing enough to keep him. And uh, I don't see where he's going that, you know, he wouldn't have more than what he has here, but we'll see, I guess. That'd be my answer. Speak, Hubbard, sir, I, 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 this has never occurred to me until Grant was answering the question. Has Tennessee had an athletic director in our lifetime that anybody else wanted to hire before this? No, no I, I mean, mean Doug, Doug Dickey, maybe, but I mean, he wasn't going anywhere. Right. No, I mean, he, but, I mean he wasn't leaving a second time. No. Um, that, that's seriously, sure. I mean, no. seriously, I, I mean, I, I, Bob Woodruff is the first guy I remember. You know, right. he was just a, a prototypical old Southern football coach that became the ad i don't think they've had one no here's the thing here's the thing with danny white too remember this he's got a five-year contract that stays whole it rolls over every year with a guaranteed built-in raise every year and he's making two million dollars a year and he's going to get at least 300 or a maximum of three hundred thousand dollars worth of bonuses and incentives if his teams perform the way they performed the last two years because he's maximized his bonus it would be it would have to be a heck of a contract for someone i think to get danny white's interest because he may have the best AD contract in the country with where he's at right now. Now, kind he of also has Robsdale here at Volquest. Do what? Kind of sounds like Robsdale here at Volquest. On Mac <laughs> rollover, a couple million grays. I'm just glad I'm not with Kane this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, now, remember this about Danny White's contract. He has it specified in there that his buyout to leave drops in half if Dondi Plowman's not here as the chancellor, which is an unusual caveat into uh, a contract as well. Uh, but I think Danny White is happy with where things are at Tennessee right now in a conference that's obviously producing a lot of money. Um, Rob A22, can you try to explain the best that you can rules on the transfer portal? What's considered tampering? What can coaches do or not do? 
how would a coach school have to what would a coach school have to do to get in trouble example what did uh, tony vitello do that got him suspended how did the ncaa find out what was done this is in regards to um maui does the ncaa or did the university self-report the issue or did the ncaa investigate and come up with a ruling on the suspension I'll take the back half of that, I think, Austin. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was Kansas saying something to the NCAA that prompted a look into some of those things there. Perhaps I'm wrong, but that was always the narrative that I believe was the case that prompted that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think think it was multiple, um, multiple schools, um, you know, that that get involved. And, you know, again, you know, everybody's pointing – Look at that guy. When then you know, in reality, they're doing similar stuff, right? Um, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's one of those deals where, you know, you have to be extremely careful. You can't make you know dumb mistakes. You know, for you know for Vitello in this instance, you know, it's a mistake that he was willing to eat and you know you know serve his couple of game suspension to get Maui to the field, and you know we'll see if you know it pays off with them getting hot here at the end or they actually win a game on the road. Yeah, and and. Ter- Go ahead, Rob. I'll just say we we all hear things. I mean, tampering is is a big it's a big deal. I mean, like AP said. I mean, everybody's pointing the finger. Like, look at that guy. I mean, I, and I know every, everybody's heard it, but I know of multiple instances on Tennessee's current roster where you know collectives from other programs reached out, and there were actual numbers. You know, here here's what you can get. You know, if, if you come here, and that's. You know, I'm, I'm sure well, 50, football, 50 kids on the football roster had, you know, the same kind of thing happen. I mean, it's just – it's it's everywhere. Or the or 50 kids on the football roster use one kid's experience to their advantage. Hey, someone's always reached out. Or, know, somebody's, or somebody's dad calls. And they're says, willing hey. to give me this, you know, and then it's kind of like, you know, game of chicken, baby. Are you going to end up in that pile of manure like Biff or not? Oh, look, back to the future. That's a back to the future reference, Grant. If you were curious, that movie came out in 1985. 1985, three years before Grant's I've seen that one. Trust me, I've seen it. Relax. Grant's, Relax. Parent, Grant's parents had that one on, on VHS. <laughs> My dad was watching it in New Orleans at the watching the Sugar Balls. Eric, Eric, Eric will watch this back, and he still he don't know what we're talking about. He's googling right now what is Back to the Future. All right, we got. <laughs> we got a couple more to get through. Then we got to get out the door here. Rocky Top Matt, this is a good question, actually. Can you pull the curtain back on how Tennessee makes its recruiting board? How much time do coaches spend watching tape of prospects versus the support staffers? How often do coaches meet to update their board? Who all is involved in updating the board? How much does character, leadership, work ethic factor in versus raw football talent? How much do they rely on the evaluation of recruiting services versus their own? Would love to know more about how the process works. Go ahead, Austin. Get started. Well, it, it, it's it starts with the scouting department, which is you know the Brandon Lawson, Trey Johnson, Charlie High, all those guys. Then they get the tape to coaches, and you know they they start deciding you know kind of where who, who is what, right? You know this guy if they have let's say that let's say the the chart's five to one, okay? Uh, that's not their chart, but I'm just saying for this purpose, it's just easier to hear. five being elite, no 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 brainer, one being now, so. You know, they, they start putting them on the board and start working through it. And then it goes to, you know, what kind of ties do they have to the kid? How realistic is the kid? Like if the kid is a top-end kid and he lives 20 miles outside of Tuscaloosa, what are the chances, right? Like your chances go to way down. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, again, it goes back to character. 
And then sometimes, you know, once kids get on campus, you know, you know, schools find out, and not just Tennessee, but all of them find out there's medical problems. And so, like, a kid that, you know, a fan thinks is a no-fire brainer, oh, yeah, we're definitely taking that guy, you know, all of a sudden has a little bit of a medical issue or an off-the-field issue where he's not doing well in the classroom or not doing well, you know, just off the field, and it changes. Like, and so, like, those things never really get out. So sometimes – fans will be like, man, I can't believe that, you know, you know, we had a real shot to him. We, we failed. We didn't get that guy. And there's always sometimes a backstory to why sometimes a kid doesn't end up here or there could be, you know, a kid not ending up at Georgia because they found out something or, or Tennessee because they found out something, um, you know, so that, no, that to me, the, there's a lot of inner workings that go into decisions and it's not just as simple as, Hey, this kid's a, you know, four star on the. I mean, at the other, I'm sure you, you Grant too. Here's story. I mean, maybe they come on an official visit. And they spend the whole time on their on their phone. Yep. Or maybe they steal the iPad out of their hotel room. Yep. <laughs> or 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 maybe they tell the head coach he's arrogant, as was the case years ago with a certain linebacker that played in Baton Rouge that told Philip Fulmer that, and that eliminated that conversation and eliminated <laughs> that that recruiting process at that point in time as well. But you're right. I mean, there's multiple layers to it. You know, it starts with just the raw evaluation, and then you start really diving into it. And that, that's why it's so hard when a new staff comes in and they're playing such catch-up because it's not just you grab a recruiting list and you say, we go recruit those guys. you got to figure out, you know, all the variables that go into it. And if you haven't been recruiting that caliber of kid or in this area, then it changes a, a good bit and, and makes it makes it real challenging that way. So – um, it is a very detailed, very long process that involves a lot of people. All right, two more. Then we got it. Then we're gone. Big Orange Train seventy five. I hear heard we may be trending away from Williams uh, Nuary. Uh, what is the latest scoop on him and uh, Camarion Franklin? Where did we hear that from? Like, I mean, like nothing's changed with Williams Nuary. I know I'm a smartass. I get it. Like, where, where, where did we hear this from? Like, no one said that. Again, a few people who randomly look at the board. See, oh, the Oklahoma guys just put in predictions for Oklahoma. That's because on three just signed away the Oklahoma rival site to come over to on three Oklahoma. And when they got here, they had to put in their predictions. They already had their predictions. There's not new information out there because he's not trending away with Winery because he was just by there to see him with Tim Banks. Everything's fine. Now, it's a Tennessee-Oklahoma battle. That's a coin flip top recruitment. you got the best of the best going for the number two player in the country. But Tennessee is still in a good spot. Keep going over. Uh, Franklin. Uh, and it, I think they're in a good spot there. Again, these are big boy recruitments. And so there's going to be a lot of twists and turns with Cam. There's going to be a lot of twists and turns with Williams. Either way, Tennessee is in as good a spot as they could be in, as we said here on May 18th. Simple All right. As that. All right. We, guys, Grant, Rob, I've got Austin pretty pretty lathered up here. Do y'all want to do I've got a rapid fire in here. Maybe do you want to so rapid fire Rapid fire. In? Rapid fire. Right. Rob, you, you want some rapid fire fire? I would love – as long as there's – please tell me there's an over, under, and or a percentage. All right, we got two rapid – question. We got two rapid fires. Dream scenario, Harold sticks with commitment, then Wingo, Matthews, and Jefferson all won in the boat. You're taking all of them, AP. Oh. Yes, I would. You got room to take all of them. Hey, listen, you need receivers. If Dante Thornton's who you think you who he is and you're losing Ramel and, and Brew – it's basically squirrel and then a bunch of unproven. 
So why not roll with, you know, as many as you can get? I can tell you on campus right now, receiver is a hot button. Like, we got to get some. All right. Swagger 12, here we go. Before the big recruiting weekend in May, which we're just going to call that the Memorial Day recruiting weekend, right, AB? That's right, baby. We're not calling it what they're calling it. All right. We're going to just call it Memorial Day recruiting weekend and June officials being the other part coming up. In your opinion, as of today, where are they going? All right, here's rapid fire. I'm not going to make you pick schools. I'm just going to make you – I'm going to say um, – Say yes or no. Yes, legit or not Not. Not a great shot. Okay. okay. Perfect. All right, you ready? Yep. Here we go. Jordan Ross. Uh, I'm going to go legit. All right. Williams. No, no worry. Legit. What you said. Cameron, you just talked about Franklin. We'll skip legit. him. Legit. Uh, Jamonta Waller. Uh, nah, no. Uh, Camarion Fountain. Cameron Fountain, uh, yes. Legit. Cameron, excuse me. Yeah. Um, William Satterwhite. Legit. Uh, Marquez Easley. That one I'm going to say no. Daniel Calhoun. I'm going to say no. Ronan O'Connell. Uh, legit. Max Anderson. Legit. Ethan Calloway. To me, I, I, not to be in the middle here, that one could be either one, honestly. What? what? Are, you, are you taking a hard pass there? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I could see that being legit. I also could see it going the other direction. Okay. Brandon Baker. Uh, I'm going to say uh, no. I, 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 you know, To me, that's why I keep talking about tackle. I just don't – I mean, kids from California. He, I think he does want to go to the SEC, so that gives him a shot. But right now, he's got to make it back again. Jaden Riddell. Legit. Caleb Odom. No. Tylen Singleton. Legit. Jordan Burns. Legit, but you're only taking two. So if you're going with Spillman's in, I would go Talon Singleton over Jordan Burns. Uh, Nathan, uh, Nathaniel Frazier. Uh, I'm going to say no. I think that's a long shot. I had to say that instead of Nate Grant because it would mess me up. <laughs> uh, Braylon Russell. Legit. Peyton Lewis. Legit. Mike Matthews. Legit. Amari Jefferson. Legit. Ryan Wingo. I'm going to go in the 50-50 range again. I, again, like I, that one I think could, you know, go a number of different directions. Dylan Stewart? No. Elijah Rushing? No. They're swinging on both, but I still say no on both. Uh, Danny Okoye? Another 50-50 guy. There you go. There's the latest. I would give a round of applause. It wouldn't be brutal on the audio. Just know I'm thinking it. <laughs> Just know I'm thinking it. There hey, you look, go. I don't mind those. I don't mind those. As long as everybody doesn't go, well, you said. No, I didn't say. I just said they had a legitimate chance. Oh, they're all going to say, oh, you said at some point in time. Uh, They're marking it down. They're marking it down. May 18th, 2023. I say ABC, and what gets repeated back is AJZ. And then you get to go, where's that information coming from? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, look, man, I, I, you know, I, I. I, I will give the posters love when they're when they're good, and I don't care to smack them back when they're bad. They're like, where's it coming from? Who said people, they're trending the other direction? People are saying, AP. People are saying it's a very famous quote. People are saying. All right, so we're gonna we'll recap this podcast here. We had a Back to the Future reference that we think Grant Ramey got. Yes, we had, a, got we had an Andy Griffith reference that he definitely got. Um, and we realized that Grant Ramey wasn't born when Chris White was playing. And Unbelievable. His most undervalued guy was um, Ray Knock Thompson. Ray Knock Thompson in '98, which was a good one. And, and Peter Lawford. And Peter Lawford. Cubs didn't like my laces in 
comment. Lazy I can't believe you picked two specialists as your underrated guys. You did. All the years covering football. Hey, a holder. A holder. And a punter. Scott, the Benson Scott thing was just funny because Benson. You took a holder him. and a punter is what you took. Specialists I are people. Tyrone too. Hines, baby. You did. That's right. That's true. That's you true. took Hines. I literally took Leverton and Tyrone Hines. Benson Scott was just to say his name because that's my guy. Hines, 47. I called David Leverton and Mark Bradley was in the house and he was committing as he called. I got to, uh, if we'd had FaceTime at that point, we could have done that one uh, live with him actually telling Mark Bradley across the room in his, in his house that he was committing to the is, university of is, Tennessee. Is that, is that as good as when uh, Kevin Sherrill came down the elevator, walked outside, told me he's going to the Giants and I let him hit publish <laughs> on the uh, story that he was leaving for the Giants while everybody else was <laughs> the opposing uh, 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 the, our, our competition was inside looking at their phones going. <laughs> Kevin Sher posting his own stories at VolQuest.com. All right, that's going to put the bow tie on this edition of the VolQuest.com mailbag podcast presented by our good friends at Exterior Home Solutions. He is Austin Price, Rob Lewis, Grant Ramey. I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest mailbag podcast every week right here on VolQuest.